Well, good morning, New Hope. Great to be with you. Great to be with you. On the evening of December 7th, 1946, a businessman named Stuart Luhan checked into the Weinkauf Hotel in Atlanta, Georgia. He requested uh, and received a room on the 10th floor, far above the city traffic noise. Sometime after retiring, he heard uh, and was awakened by a commotion in the hallway. An ominous red glow reflected in the sky outside his window. Fire. His heart pounding with panic, he threw open the door to the hallway and, and was immediately uh, suffocated by smoke. So retreating into his room, he ran to the window to fill his lungs with air. Fear so consumed him that he felt like a weight was pressing against his chest. But years before, Stuart had cultivated the practice of bowing to God in prayer. And so in that moment, he dropped to his knees and began to pray. As he communed with God in that unlikely moment, he began to change. And later he would write, The first sign that God was with me in that fire-surrounded room was that after this prayer, my fear just left me, siphoned off like poison. Judging from the sounds around me and the increasing heat in the room, the situation was getting worse by the minute. Yet on the inside was a center of calm, such calmness that I could really hear the inner voice. The first instruction he got was to, to put some clothes on, and next he was guided to make a rope out of the blankets and even the bed sheet. And when he had secured the knot, he realized the rope would only go down a few stories of the ten stories. But he knew that he would receive instruction of what to do next. When the rope was completed, he, he lowered it out the window and then heard that inner voice, no, not yet, trust me. And he thought, how dumb is that? I mean, the, the building is burning. You don't wait when the building's burning. But he decided to throw the rope out again. And again, the voice said, not yet, wait. It took all the willpower and, and self-discipline to, invo- to, to obey that questionable command. Now black smoke was starting to seep into the room, and any delay seemed fatal. But years earlier, he had learned to check signals with the master and to follow his strategy. So he waited. Finally came the word he longed to hear. Now is the time. Put the rope out the window, tie it around the center of the window frame, and climb out. As Stuart climbed out, he saw a fireman extending a ladder to the eighth floor, as far as it would go. But still, it was too short because it was a, a room away to the right. Suddenly, the fireman saw him hanging there, and Stuart was able to swing his rope over to the ladder and climb down to safety. And when his feet were planted on the ground, he looked up and he saw why that voice told him to wait. Because there was his rope ten floors up in flames from the fire on the side of the building. And he realized if he had not followed God's direction, he would have plummeted to his death till the firemen could get there. While it's not easy to go through short or long seasons of struggle 
doubt, and hardship. It's one of those times of great testing that can lead to the greatest faith builders and growth in our Christian walk. Continuing in the third week of our series, Faith and Doubt, here's our big idea for the day. Comprehending comprehending God's direction in the midst of struggle can ultimately lead to greater faith. Through this study on the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, we continue to wrestle with the tension of faith and doubt. And today we attempt to answer the question, how do we hear from and get direction from God in hard times? If you're taking notes, first of all, the prophet is honest about the struggle with evil and injustice. We've heard some great messages from pastors Bill and Justin, and and I know a lot of people have appreciated the thoughtful discussion around this tension with doubt and fear. And we've continued to land on God's goodness and sovereignty, even when we can't understand all the wrong, all the hardship we seem to go through. And yet I think it's important to to make just a little sidelight and recognize that we don't always have to to tidy up things into a pretty little bowl. We don't always get all the answers we want. And one of the main reasons we experience evil and hardship is because of spiritual warfare. I was watching a cheesy Christian movie this week, and uh, the pastor played by Dean Cain was challenging the main character who was struggling with this problem of evil, of why all this bad stuff was happening to him. And he said, you seem to give God all the credit for all the wrong. How about giving a little credit to Satan? I thought, well, that's right on. Here you, here you hear a pastor giving the devil some credit for all the ick in the world, right? Because of sin in our lives, because of our main enemy, Satan himself, we have spiritual warfare. We have struggle in this world. It's not all God's fault. And while we're told that when we, we will experience hardship in this life, we hold on to the promise that God is in ultimate control. And he will bring justice and peace and victory in the end. Can I get an amen? So it's okay to be honest with the struggle of evil and injustice. Habakkuk continues in his complaint in chapter 1, verse 13. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? The big question for Habakkuk here is, how can God appear to stand by in silence as the wicked swallow up the righteous? It seems that God is tolerating all that he opposes. And the prophet stops short of charging God of wrongdoing, but he's still unable to resolve the problem. And that's where we can connect with Habakkuk, because we hold this tension too. We can't resolve the problem of similar crisis situations in our day. Habakkuk's circumstances and experience didn't match his theology. He believed that God is good, that God is just, that God is sovereign in ultimate control. And yet, he controls nations, he controls nature, but why is he being silent when we pray? Why does he seemingly let the, the wicked go unpunished? 
At first, Habakkuk's questions, his pleas, his, his prayers seem to fall on silent ears. But then in chapter 2, verse 1, he positions himself on the city wall and says, I will hear from God. He says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. I have long loved this verse that teaches us about the persistence and the the expectation of, of God speaking, directing us in prayer. I will stand on the city wall and watch and see what he will say to me. Did you catch that? He is positioning himself, expecting God, like Wendy said, to hear the Father's voice. I'm going to look out and see what God will say. Beautiful picture. Church, we need to position ourselves in prayer. In the hard times especially, to expect God to lead us and direct us and guide us. I've talked before about the three stages uh, that happen in, in life and change. And it's a biblical model that, that mirrors the three stages we go through when we go through life change. First of all, we have the exodus, the people leaving Egypt, the exodus or leaving the old. The second stage is the, is the wilderness time, wandering in the desert, the in-between time. And the third stage is going into the promised land or a new beginning. And all of life change happens like that. We leave in all, we are in between, and we go into a new season. And the beauty is that it's often in this in-between, in the struggle, in the tension, where our faith and our prayer life grow the most. Reaching out, being desperate, saying, God, I need to hear you. I need to look out and see what you will say to me. And so Habakkuk 2.1 gives us a beautiful picture of persistence in prayer. No matter how great the prophet's perplexity, he waits patiently until he receives further revelation. He will continue to wait on the city wall until God answers his prayer. And God does answer. Secondly, God gives his answer the gift of faith. It's important to note that Habakkuk cries out like similar questions of people in the biblical history crying out to God. And he's asking, why, Lord, are you allowing injustice to continue? And when will you judge the unjust? It's similar to uh, Job in the Bible. He asks, why am I going through this suffering? And, but God doesn't answer why he was suffering. The disciples asked Jesus, when will you come again? And he said, it's not for you to know. The Father, only the Father knows the time and the hour when the Son will come again. And so God does not answer Habakkuk's questions of why and when. But the answer he gave him was to write on a huge tablet the verse, one of the greatest verses in Scripture, Habakkuk 2.4. Behold, he whose soul is not upright in him shall fail, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Now, this doesn't answer the intellectual or the theological uh, explanation for the problem of evil, but it does say that evil is doomed and the righteous will live by relying on God's gift of faith. 
It tells us there's two ways to live. There's the way of the wicked, which leads to death. And there's the way of the righteous, which leads to life. This verse is so awesome because it shows us this expanding from this truth in the Old Testament to this idea of salvation by grace. Paul used this verse, this little verse, in the struggle in this little book of Habakkuk to explain the heart of the gospel. He used it in Galatians 3.12 and in Romans 1.17. In Romans 1.16, we see that pivotal verse. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is the power of God which leads to salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, are you? And then he explains the gospel in verse 17. Using this verse, the righteous will live by faith. So out of the struggle, out of the doubts, and out of the cries for justice and mercy, we're given a one-sentence description that becomes the gospel, the coming of salvation through Jesus. We are not saved by our works. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. The way of the wicked will perish, but the righteous will live by faith. Out of the struggle is this hinge point verse that links the Old Testament to the New Testament. And the gospel writers will show us this Jesus who's come to save us. Name name him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. And Paul will clearly articulate and explain the gospel. The righteous will live by faith. Martin Luther, in 510 in Rome, he climbed the, the steps of the palace, which would become the Lutheran church. And, and tradition says he said the just will live by faith, but he didn't say that. He said, who knows whether it is so. He went to Rome, searching to attain peace with God. And in a month, he, he said confessions. He celebrated mass at sacred shines. Sh- um, shrine. It says shines in my notes. Shrines. Visiting catacombs and basilicas. Venerating bones and, and holy relics. But he was disillusioned by this time in Rome. He did not find peace. It wasn't until he assumed the chair of of Bible at the University of Wittenberg that he began exegeting and teaching scriptures that he found the peace of God. He said he he greatly longed to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans, and what stood in the way of his understanding was this one expression, the justice of God. He took it to mean that God is just and that he will justly punish the unjust. And although he was an impeccable monk, he stood before God as a sinner with a troubled conscience and no confidence that his merit would satisfy God. He said these words, Night and day I pondered until I saw the connection between the justice of God and the statement the just shall live by faith. Then I grasped that the justice of God is that righteousness by which, through grace and sheer mercy, God justifies us through faith. Thereupon I felt myself to be reborn and have gone through the doors into paradise. In his German Bible, he translated Habakkuk 2.4, 
Behold, he who is stiff-necked, obstinate, shall have no rest in his heart, but the righteous shall live by his faith. And Luther did find rest, and he found joy and victory when he understand that we are justified as a gift of grace in believing in what Jesus has done for us. I love how Pastor Justin last week said, prayer is not about getting all our answers. It's about being formed into God's image. And that's why our big idea today is comprehending God's direction in the midst of struggle can lead us ultimately to greater faith. God wants to use the struggle. He wants to use the tension to build up our faith and to form us more in his image. He wants to save us and grow a faith and a prayer life and a deeper relationship with him so that we too can pass on the peace and the life that we receive. Through the struggle, We are given the opportunity to lean in, to hear from our almighty God, and to be able to comprehend his will and direction. And through this tension and this wrestling of faith, we're given the opportunity to receive and to marvel and to grow in the very gift, the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the righteous will live by faith. Church, I am so excited to welcome up uh, New Hope's own Pamela Coronado. Would you give it up for Pamela? Pull your stool up here. So Pamela is the newest addition to New Hope's mission team, and I am so excited because, um, well, you're going to tell us what you're doing and uh, tell us how you you grew up in the youth group here, but I'm just so excited for you to share your story and uh, tell us us about your journey, kind of the, the struggle you went through as one of the only minorities in your classrooms growing up in Isani and and then the injustices you experiences. Um, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Pam, and I'm really thankful and honored to be um, here and share about my testimony and um, my moment as well um, in um, how how New Hope started um, the foundation. I like started a relationship with my relationship with the Lord. But um, to your question. Um, one of the journeys and struggles I struggle with as being one of the, one of the minorities in um, in my classes when just growing up in in Isanti is uh, one of them is just being the uh, many of few of the few people of color um, specifically just um, being the only Mexican in my grade and um, and when it comes to injustice uh, I unfortunately unfortunately experience um, like racism um, just growing up in and and and. Specifically in high school, which there was a racism situation that wasn't held professionally or um, fairly. So, and also just the struggles of um, culture, 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 integrity, and and in and in my insecurity in in my faith in the Lord. 
and insecurity of my ethnic identity in God and who God created me to be, um, to the point where I didn't want to be, um, I didn't want to associate with my culture, or I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to like associate speaking Spanish, or I just didn't want to associate with um, my culture because I felt like I was alone and I wanted to be like, uh, like the rest, and felt like I just wasn't seen or enough. Um, so yeah, so that's part of my. Uh, of the struggles and journey that, um, as being one of the minorities, um, growing up in, in ICNT and, um, and just growing up. So, yeah. Thanks, Pamela. Not easy, but yeah. <laughs> how did God rescue you and, and make faith come alive in your heart? Yeah. So, um, so how God rescued me and made my faith come alive in my heart, asides of um, insecurity and, and comparisons and um, my ethic and that in Christ, is um, God really helped me rescue me through the times of when I was wrestling with doubts and, and loneliness, um, and not just in my ethnic identity, but also in my singleness when I was a college student at the U of M. Um, and specifically, um, in the times of the season of, of doubts, doubting in my faith in the Lord, even though um, growing up of ours tending to Sunday services here on, on this campus and going to youth groups throughout my middle school and high school years, but I didn't know what it means to have a relationship with the Lord and to start following the teachings and what it means to um, invite Christ in your life until um, until in high school, until when I decided just to um, trying to just get it out of that loneliness feeling and um, and all of that was through this devotion I have in my this devotional book I had in my I have in my hand that I got uh, my senior year of, of high school when I went to youth groups here and yeah just seeing how um, yeah so uh, just one of the big examples that really that God uh, made my faith come alive is through the season of doubts, um, doubting myself that I'm not enough or capable or love is seen enough. Um, but um, but that is not, um, I shouldn't be thinking like that, that my worth, my that I wanted value and enough only through God and, and, and through Christ. And, and yeah, just trusting God in the season of doubts and season of, 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 season of like what it doesn't make sense and um even though um i just had a hard time just understanding um why god created me to be latina and and all of that um i in the season of those i learned that the best weapon to fight doubt is to depend and to to depend and connect um to depend and be content in your faith with the lord um in any during tough situation and um, when you doubt, you're going to start having wavering faith. And when you doubt yourself, you're going to doubt God's works and God's um, ways. And um, the verse that really helped me to stop my doubtness in, in every, uh, in every se- single se- in every season is um, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, um, not by sight. And also the verse of James, um, in the verse James 1, 2, any trouble is coming in your way, consider it an opportunity of great joy. Amen. So what excites you about God's direction and God's plan for you to share the good news of Jesus with with Latino students at the University of Minnesota? Yeah, I'm just really excited how the Lord is going to raise, equip, and use the next generation of Latino students um, on, on the U of M campus through 
um, through um, Crew, or also known as Campus Crusade for Christ, um, Hispanic ministry called Destino, which I'm currently in, currently in the process of raising support to become a staff member for the ministry um, Destino, and I'm just really excited how um, God is going to use this Destino and and my testimony of, of my journey and struggles of my ethic identity in Christ to touch lives um, of, of Latino students um, on, and to touch the lives of Latino students for, for God's kingdom and on the U of M campus and um, in the Twin Cities and, and how God is going to help and reach out other Latino students on campus um, who who are who are in the same position as me or also who are lost and struggling with their ethnic identity or um, having a hard time understanding what it means to have a relationship with the Lord. And, um, and yeah, I'm just really excited to um, to help and understand blessing other Latino students um, to to help them understand what it means to be um, Latino in Christ and, and help them understand that they're filled with purpose. Amen. Well, we are so excited, Pamela, for, for God's direction on you, his rescue, and, and even going through those seasons of doubt and those hard times. He has uh, redeemed you, and he is going to use you for his gospel, for bringing many others to the Lord. She's going to be working with the Latino uh, wing of Crew, which used to be called Campus Crusade at the University of Minnesota, which is called Destino. And we got her information on the bulletins and and we have the slide here too. Um, we are we are supporting her as well as our our other missionaries. And uh, if God would lead you, we're praying that uh, ten other individuals or families would come along and support Pamela to to raise the support that she needs to to do this mission work. It is such an honor. Uh, you have come up from here. You are the first person of color to come through New Hope that we can support as a missionary. And so uh, we want to pray for her. I just ask that you stretch out your hands to Pamela and, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that even through the hard seasons, you are there. We thank you that she heard her daddy's voice. She heard you calling her to salvation in you, Jesus. And we thank you, God, for your great rescue in, in Pamela's life. We thank you for her family. We thank you for all of those that she, by you, Jesus, by the Spirit of Christ, is going to welcome. Thank you, Lord, for the man they were sharing the gospel with. Uh, they couldn't understand his voice, but when he started praying, he thanked, for the, thanked you for the team. They could understand him in prayer. He thanked those that you sent to reach out to him. Lord, we lift up this week. She's going with Pulse ministry to Dallas on an outreach event. We pray your glory. We pray your provision, your protection, and just your great joy and peace and blessing upon her. Father God, we ask for your favor. Would you bless her to be a blessing? We thank you for her. Lord, we just ask that you would supply all her needs according to your riches and glory, and you would raise up the support that's needed to do your work Lord, uh, bring your gospel more and more to the University of Minnesota and wherever she gets to share the good news. And we will thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.